Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Coot Blackson. And you are joining me for part two of our interview. Two questions. What is my soul seeking to really learn here? What is the classroom? What is the curriculum? Because if you learn that, you will unhook yourself. What is it that I get to heal? What is it that, and, and, and connected to that, let's say you've been betrayed. Let's say someone cheated on you. Let's say someone didn't honor you. If relationship is a mirror, like we're talking about, right? If, if truly it's a mirror of yourself and there's no relationship out there, the question becomes, if you look at your relationship or your relationships, what do your relationships that you're in or you've been in reflect to you about yourself? It shifts the whole game. What does it reflect to you about yourself? And do you like what you see? Because we're so often used to say, well, he did this and she did that. And if they would, if only they would change. And if only they were that. From that perspective, we disempower ourselves. We move into victim, uh, a victim position and we stay stuck. So if we say, okay, the person cheated on me. What did it reflect to me about myself? Nothing. Oh, okay, let's step back. What do they reflect? What do they re- Is there any way I'm cheating on myself? How do I dishonor myself? How do I cheat on myself? I'll give you an example, okay? I had a client many years ago. This is like 15, 16 years ago. She comes to my, this is when I was doing a lot of one-on-one work. She comes to me, she says, she was crying. She walked into my office, first time, tears, break up. She had broken up, devastated, seven years, marriage. I gave everything to this guy. I gave my heart. I gave my soul. I gave money. I, get, I, get, I, get, I put him first. I gave him everything. I supported him when he had nothing. And she was upset and she was distraught and she was crying and she was like, and I hate it. And she, but it was a little strange because she just wouldn't stop for like an hour. She just kept going. And, and I really felt her pain. I mean, she was angry. She was mad. She was sad. She loved, I mean, heartbroken. But she was spiraling in this victimhood of like, and he did this and he left. And I said, well, why did he leave? Did he? he goes, well, he's gay. I'm like, he just told you. Yeah, he told me he's gay after seven years. And I'm mad and I feel betrayed. And she just started going on. And she was crying and crying, heartbroken. Finally, in the middle of her tears, and I said, but you knew. That stunned her. She, uh, what do you mean? Finally, she confessed. And she said to me, the truth is, eight years ago when I met him, I was working in a shop, in a store. He walked in with his friends. She said to me, the first thing that came out of my mouth, when she met the guy, she just meets a guy, walks in with the friends. Are you gay? She says, no. They start dating. They get married. And here they are eight years later. On some level, she had to acknowledge that she was the one that betrayed herself. She was the one that didn't honor her truth. She knew she was the one. And so we have to look at if relationship is a mirror, what is it showing me about myself? And if we're willing to take that responsibility, that's the key. We got to be willing to take the responsibility to say, how do I cheat on myself? That doesn't make, that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it okay. That doesn't condone what happened. No, no, no. But 
if I don't take responsibility, I'll never shift the pattern that attracted this type of person in my life that was narcissistic. Huh, what is it? Am I narcissistic? Maybe you're not narcissistic, but maybe you're so, so selfless, so giving that you, you're on the opposite end that you don't even take care of yourself. Think, think about yourself, betray yourself to an extreme that maybe you attracted someone who's so narcissistic. You know, so I, I think it's so important. Yeah, I do as well. And I know a lot of my listeners will resonate with so many of those things. And quite often it's hard to take that responsibility at the beginning. But when you do, it does shine a light and help you to start moving forward. I guess a lot of people coming out of those relationships, even if they take responsibility, may have very low self-esteem, self-confidence. And then, you know, discovering who they are, because often they left their personality way Mm. back at the beginning of the relationship and compromised and maybe sacrificed as a parent or a, you know, carer for somebody looking after, nurturing the family maybe. So how do you take that control back and start to, I guess, rediscover your identity again? Yeah. Well, firstly, that responsibility is important. But we're not talking about judgment, right? Like, ah, oh, what's wrong with me? And now I'm taking the responsibility. Just take the responsibility. Like, okay. Because when you take the responsibility of saying, yes, he cheated, but I've cheated on myself. Every time I say yes, when I mean no, I'm cheating on myself. Every time I put everyone else's needs constantly before myself, I'm cheating on myself. Every time I, you know, I'm cheating. Ah, okay. And I think if we can just start owning that, taking responsibility, then we can start becoming aware of when we're doing it because many times it's so ingrained and conditioned that we're not even aware. In that awareness, we can begin to observe ourselves to begin making a different choice. And in that space, we can start seeing where we haven't been loving ourselves, how we haven't been loving ourselves, why we haven't been loving ourselves. That responsibility and ownership gives us the ability to then see what the dynamic is within ourselves and the parts of ourselves that really are needing the loving. See, ultimately, I think if we're to simplify a bit, healing, to really heal those parts of ourselves that perhaps don't feel worthy, yeah? Don't feel lovable, which is why we attracted certain situations in the first place. We've got to acknowledge, oh, it's not him, it's me. It's not her, it's me. Then we get to see, I don't feel lovable. I I don't feel worthy of someone that really loves me. I don't feel worthy of, you know, I'm not committed to myself. Then we can see that part of ourselves that is feeling insecure, unworthy, not confident, unlovable. And because we're no longer focusing on the other person, we get to then bring the attention to ourselves and bring the loving and the compassion to that very part of ourselves that now we are looking at and being with instead of looking over there. Now we're actually faced with, yeah, I don't feel I don't feel I deserve it. Okay, that's on me. That's not about them. I'm the one that is carrying this part of me that I don't feel like love is real. I don't feel like I, I really am worthy of love. To really be with that part of yourself and bring loving and compassion to that part of yourself through healing, through energy, through nurturing the inner child, through spending time, through learning to love that part of yourself is where the healing happens. Healing is the application of love to those parts of yourself that are hurting. Let me repeat, healing is the application of love to those parts of yourself that are hurting. And then you might realize, wow, I got that I wasn't lovable. As we, then we, because we're not focusing on the other person, then we start focusing on, oh, when did I start feeling not lovable? You know, then the internal exploration can begin. 
Huh, because now I'm not focusing on what he did and she didn't do. When did I start feeling not lovable? Oh, when, for me, my dad was gone a lot. You know, my dad was a minister. He was gone a lot. I, I grew up feeling like not lovable because he was gone a lot. It wasn't a conscious thing. You know, it wasn't a moment where I was like, I feel not lovable. It was just a silent thing that, well, he's not around. I don't feel that he never came to my, you know, in London, he never came to my football game, never came to my soccer games. I'd go to soccer and all the other dads were there cheering on their kids. And I was the only kid without, I didn't even realize the level of conditioning of, I didn't really feel lovable. I felt kind of, you know, unimportant. I felt sort of reject. And, and it wasn't conscious, but through relationship, if we're willing to explore, we can start saying, oh, when, when mom left and she didn't come back, I felt that I was unworthy. And then we can maybe begin to bring loving and healing to that six-year-old or that eight-year-old or that young part of us, you know, that felt unlovable because often if we're not aware and we're not conscious, it's those young parts of us that will try in our adult relationships, try to get certain needs met that weren't met growing up. And so here we are, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and we're still, we're still being driven by a seven-year-old aspect, not even conscious and aware, not even aware. And, and, and that's where I think we end up getting into toxic relationships. We start getting into unhealthy dynamics because unconsciously we're seeking to get certain needs met that weren't met, which cloud our ability to really choose healthily, to choose correctly. And so... Take the time to take responsibility, but bring loving to those parts of yourself on a daily basis through journaling, inner child work, meditation, nurturing, you know, connecting with that part of yourself. And, and that's where the healing can happen. I love that. Healing is the application of love to the parts of you that are hurting. I mean, wow, that is a soundbite can take away and use. Thanks so much for that. So you've written a book called The Magic of Surrender. Tell me a bit about that, because I'm fascinated by surrender. <laughs> the magic of, well, firstly, it was not the book I thought I was going to write. I had all of these ideas for the book I thought I should write, the book I wanted to write. And one day I had all of these ideas on a big whiteboard, literally the size of a wall. And I was brainstorming hundreds of ideas. That would be a great topic. People would love that. That would be a bestseller. That's a sexy title. And one day it was like the soul of this book came through so loud and clear to me. It was like, boom, and it landed. And I realized the topic was surrender. A little backstory. End of 2016, my mother was diagnosed with uh, stomach cancer. Uh, I was running high uh, promoting my first book. It was a bestseller. I get a phone call from my dad and he says, uh, you need to call your mother. She has stomach cancer. And I started to travel for an entire year back and forth, back and forth from LA to London every month for four or five days to be with her in chemo sessions, to be with her, take care of her. And I was so adamant. I was so clear that I was going to get my mother healthy and well and keep her alive. But literally within maybe a month or two, I realized nothing I do was going to keep her alive and she was going to die and didn't know how long she had to live. And so from the very beginning, I, I pretty much had to surrender to the fact that I was not in control. But for me, that surrender non-resistance freed me up to fully be with my mother and, and savor every, like every conversation could be the last conversation. 
Every text could be the last text. Every time I held her hand could have been the last moment. And it, it talk about heartbreak. It broke my heart open. It broke my heart. You know, I just want to say something and then, then I'll go back to the surrender. We sometimes try to avoid heartbreak because we're afraid that we won't survive. We sometimes try to avoid heartbreak because we're afraid it's going to last forever. For me, my heart broke for an entire year in relation with my mom because I loved her so much. But I think as I felt the heartbreak and the grief, the heartbreak from month two, I had 10 more months to go of being with her through the heartbreak. But as I felt the heartbreak, what I found and what you will find is when you really feel the heartbreak with awareness and you feel through it, the heart does break, but it breaks open. The heart does break, but what I found is the shape of my heart and its capacity to love, when I felt the heartbreak and the grief, it broke open to another dimension of loving. My capacity to love shattered to a bigger size through the allowing of the heartbreak. And so I would just invite everyone to realize, to know that it's only by allowing your heart to break that you actually find the deeper strength and reality of the fact that your heart cannot be broken. But if you don't allow the heartbreak, you'll never know how strong you really are. You'll never know that your heart actually cannot be broken because what you are is not a relationship. And just because a relationship goes doesn't mean the love goes. What you are is love itself. And love cannot be broken. Love cannot be limited. And so in this process with my mom, my heart broke over and 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 over. And over. Just, but if we don't allow the heartbreak and the grief, we also limit the loving, you know, because if we try to control the grief, we limit the loving. And so there was so much love I felt in this process. It was like, whoa, I didn't even know that there was so much love. So during this process, the doctor said, your mother is, uh, she's going to die you know, months into it. Uh, we don't know how long, so get, get your affairs in order. And this is where the book came about, I think, is I looked at my mother and I said to her, are you afraid? She said, I'm not afraid because I know I'm not just this body. This body is just a vehicle for my soul and I'll be watching you. What I am is eternal, is what she said. And then I said, is there anything I can do for you in your final days? Is there anything that, what do you need from me? And you know what she said? Are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce? Are you feeling devastated, heartbroken, sad and anxious? If so, please know that you are not alone and there is help available. Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. 
visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. She said, I don't need anything. I said, so what do you want? She said, all I want is what God wants for my life. I was like, wow, all I want is, and it wasn't a religious way. It was just, all I want is what God wants. And I realized she wasn't attached to life. She wasn't attached to, she was surrendered to whatever her highest soul's destiny was. And months later when she passed, that's when the book kind of started downloading, that I realized that this was the secret to her life. And I realized that when I looked at the great ones, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Mother Teresa, Oprah's of the world, uh, Greta Thunberg, Malaya Yousafzai, Mandela, all of the great ones at some point in their life, they had to let go and they had to surrender themselves to something bigger than themselves. They had to surrender themselves to being lived by life, you know, life itself. And so surrender, there's many misconceptions about surrender, I think. We think that surrender is weak. You know, we think that surrender is passive. We have this notion that if you surrender, you won't get your dreams. If you surrender, you won't, you won't get your soulmate. If you surrender, you're going to end up, what, homeless or living in the Himalayas with a cloth, not, no possessions. And so there's a fear of, oh, shit, if I surrender, what will happen? And so what we end up doing as human beings is we try to control so much of our life. We try to control how people see us. We try to control how we look seen on Instagram. We try to control our spouse. We try to control our children. We try to control the weather. We try to control even in our meditation and prayers. We try to control God. We try to control the president. We try to control our pet goldfish. We try to control everything. But if we really look at our life, how, I don't know about you, but how has that really worked? You know, how has control, it, how has controlling really, has it really worked for us? Not really. It, it, it just tends to bring us more anxiety, more stress, more burnout. It has the best things in life, at least for me, kind of, I didn't plan, you know, meeting my soulmate, meeting your friend, meeting them. They just kind of happen in the process of living life. And so my invitation to the book, The Magic of Surrender is, what if through surrendering, you didn't get less, you got more. Actually, maybe not what you expected, but more than you imagined. More joy, more love, more, more beauty, more creativity, more abundance, more than you could imagine and plan for yourself. Because many times we set goals and dreams and intentions and we think we know what we want. We're like, sure, no, no, I really want that. I really want that thing. But what if there was life had more in store for you? Life had more in store for Mandela. Life had more in store for Mother Teresa. Life had more in store for Gandhi. Life had more in store for many of these people than they could have even imagined for themselves because the mind is limited. So for me, surrender is the password to freedom. Surrender is the key to freedom. I think surrender is the key to true greatness. To surrender, just to clarify, is to let go of control. To surrender is to let go of trying to force life to be the limited idea of what you think it should be to surrender is to stop trying to force life, to manipulate life, to push life in a direction and to really surrender the idea of who you think you should be, surrender the idea, let go of the idea of the life you think you should be living so that you can actually open to and embrace the life that you're meant to truly live versus no, no, but I should be 
this little thing over here based on what my parents told me, but that's not really making me happy. So we move from a question. The first question becomes old paradigm question, personal power. This is a personal power kind of paradigm, ego paradigm. What do I want? That's how we go set. What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? Sometimes many of us, we, we're great manifestors. We get what we wanted only to achieve that, to realize, shit, this is not what I really wanted. You know? So what we think we want sometimes is only what we think we want based on who we thought we were. But I think the bigger question when we're playing a, a game of surrender is what is it that wants me? What is life seeking to express through me? What does life want to manifest through me? What does life want to create through me? What does life and how does life want to, to manifest through me? And actually then allowing ourselves to feel the deepest impulse of this intelligence of life, which is functioning all existence, to feel that, to attune to that, to, to feel our souls and feel what is the, this impulse of how life wants to express and then align our goals, our intentions, our agenda, our strategy, our marketing based on what's authentic, truly authentic. And so I just tell people, if you want more magic in your life, and magic could mean whatever you want it to mean that lights you up, more magic, more joy. If you want more magic in your life, you've got to surrender. You've got to surrender what's not working. You've got to surrender that old relationship that you know is not right. You've got to surrender everything that is not a true resonant or vibrational match in your life. That's when you get the magic. I love it. And for those people listening mm. right now who are finding that out of a relationship, maybe they're going through heartbreak, you know, by surrendering and realizing this is really where you're meant to be right now. And yeah. life has so much more opportunity out there for you now. It may not have been what you planned or what exactly. you'd hoped for or what you'd anticipated, but that doesn't mean it's going to be worse. In fact, it can be so much better, right? It can completely be a golden opportunity if you grasp it that way. If we're open, you know, like sometimes not getting what you thought you wanted or not getting what you want is actually grace, is actually a blessing. There's, I don't know about you, but there's so many things I thought I wanted. Like maybe for those listening and they could think back to a relationship in the past, like you really were in love with this person. You wanted to spend your life with this. You were sure that they were the one. They were the one. You couldn't imagine being without them. You broke up. You were heartbroken. You were devastated for days, weeks, months, years. But now you look back and you go, oh my God, I'm so glad that didn't work out. What was I thinking? Oh, how could I even, I couldn't even imagine being with that person. Sometimes when we're going exactly. through the heartbreak, we can't see the total picture. It doesn't always make sense in the moment. So when things don't work out, I think here's one key. Two things, actually. Firstly, trust that the universe is always working for your highest good. The universe is always working for your highest good and is always bringing you something better, even if you can't see it right now. So that means if you break up, if the universe is working for your highest good, okay, grieve it, feel the heartbreak, move through it on a human level, but stay open. That means the universe is bringing me something better than this person. Ah, get excited. And so if also things don't work out, stay in curiosity. I think that's so key to, to live with curiosity. Like we often go, wow, this didn't work out and it's a disaster, it's a crisis, it's the worst thing. Ask yourself, what else could this mean? Ask yourself, hmm, one more amazing thing could be happening. When we live in curiosity versus thinking we know what something means, and then we attach to that meaning, 
when we attach to that meaning, now we're not open to the infinite possibilities of the universe. But when we're open to say, here's the key to surrender. I don't know. To live in the I don't know, not from a collapse, but from an openness. To give up the need to know, the degree to which we can live in the unknown is the degree to which we're actually free. And to dance in the I don't know, but I'm available. Then we can live curiously to go, huh, what if I lived in a way that allowed life? Let me la allow life to lead me. Let me allow life to show me and reveal itself. And I really believe when we're that open, then we as human beings don't put a limitation on life. And that's the key. In so many ways as human beings, we are the ones unknowingly limiting life. But if we're open and we don't limit life, then infinite possibilities are available. That's when the universe can work. That's when we're fully open to the miracles and the magic because we're not closed. And I really believe that when we surrender, what life can do through us, what life can do through us is way more than we can do with our own human ego, uh, mental personality power. Look what life did through Buddha. Look what life did through Bruce Lee. Look what life did through Muhammad Ali. Look what life did through Mandela. You know, look at Mandela. Should he have not spent 27 years in prison? I mean, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, right? And I'm not saying that's what you're going to have to do, but that was his journey. What if he didn't spend 27 years in prison? He wouldn't be who he was today. And so sometimes I believe if you really surrender to your deepest truth and you really follow your soul path without questioning, you really follow your soul path, you will always end up at the perfect destination. Your soul may not take you on the roadmap or the route you expected, but you will always end up in the perfect destination. But in so many ways, we don't trust it. Like we actually tend to trust Siri more than we trust our soul. We trust, Siri says, turn left, we turn left. Turn right, we, we don't even question. Turn right, jump off a bridge, we jump off the bridge. But our soul says, you know, pick up the phone and call so-and-so. Well, are you sure? I don't know. We start questioning. And so how is it we trust Siri more than we trust our soul? You know, Crazy, but I agree. I think we've got to stay open to the miracles and the magic, as you put it. I love that. So thanks so much. How can people find out more about you and your work? Oh, thank you. A uh, couple of things. If people are interested in the book, they can obviously go to Amazon. Uh, there's a website for the book, uh, www.themagicofsurrender.com. Uh, everyone can get it there, also get some free gifts. Uh, a couple more sites. Uh, my main website, kublaxon.com. That's my main website. But also, if people feel ready to maybe go to another level, one of the favorite things I do is a 12-day training in Bali, and it's called uh, www.boundlessblissbali.com. Wow, that sounds awesome. I'm sure lots of people listening will be totally inspired by your passion and your deep knowledge and the gift of sharing that with us today. I'm so grateful. I know you will have helped and inspired so many of my listeners. So thank you. Thank you. One last question before we go. Yes. I always ask all my guests on Heartbreak to Happiness. I do think that when you're going through any kind of tough time, understanding what happiness is for you is key so that you can recognize it along the way. So what is happiness for you, Coot? You know, happiness for me is quite simple. I think happiness is being fully myself, being fully self-expressed, you know, because that's not dependent on anything or anyone. I know that if I'm being fully myself, expressing myself, 
living my purpose and sharing my gifts and love with the world, that's happiness for me. And growing and evolving. You know, so long as I'm growing and evolving each day, that's happiness. Pretty simple. I love it. Thank you, Q. You've been an awesome guest. So Thank much. you ever Thank so much for joining me. Thank you. That's it for today's episode. To find out more about Coop, do pop on over and check out themagicofsurrender.com or coopbaxon.com to find out more about his work. And I look forward to you joining us on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to Sarah's virtual Heartbreak to Happiness retreat. This is a transformative combination of live webinars with Sarah herself, coupled with her empowering online video program designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sarah's gift. Thank you, and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness. <laughs>